welcome to JCM Prepare the Way podcast. And thank you for tuning in for Mallory and I today because we are going to be talking about the topic of repentance. Mallory, you with me? Yep, I'm here. Hello. Hi. <laughs> yes, actually, we are titling this episode, What is Repentance and Why is it so vital to lasting faith? And this is such a topic that is so important to Mallory and I. So we're just really happy you all are tuning in. Mallory, mm-hmm. do you um, yeah, do you want to kick us off? Or? <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about spring. We are coming into the season of spring, and it is so wonderful. And I was even down. So we're up in, in the foothills. And then when you go down to, like, more Denver area, you call it down the hill. <laughs> Everyone right. here knows that. Going but down I the went mountain. down the hill the other day. Yeah, going down the mountain. Yeah. Um, there were buds on the trees and the bushes, and it was such a great sight. And even it's like eight o'clock right now at night, and I have my window open, and there were birds chirping outside. It's so oh, nice. I love that. I know we had elk in our backyard today, and it's always such a such a uh, comforting sign knowing that these mama elk are about to have their babies. And um, yeah, it's just I get so excited this time of year. And you know, coming from Atlanta, where spring starts really early like like for us late february early march we don't really have spring here it just kind of goes from winter to summer so it's just fun to see oh little gosh. signs around us i know so yay it's it coming. really does it really snows right up until <laughs> summer i even remember i it was three years ago it do you remember this it snowed so much in may like the yes. end of may like i was at my yes. actually graduating college and I was a late graduate, but um, there was like snow at my graduation. It was end of May. It was yes. Really in fact, our son, for people that don't live here in Colorado, it's common for a lot of the high schools to have their graduations at Red Rocks Amphitheater. And I had ours, mine there, yeah. Yeah, our son couldn't because of the they were snowed out. Oh, I know. So he didn't, and then our other daughter didn't because of COVID. And then our other two now go to a different school, so they won't have graduation there. So we've never experienced that, I know. Anyway, well, we're so happy y'all are tuning in and um, on such an important topic. And so, yeah. So, Mallory, did you want to start or do you want me to kick this off or how do you want this to go? How about you start it off? You're so good. Oh, (laughs) great. (laughs) Yeah, actually, um, Like I said, I think we're both so happy that we're talking about this topic because repentance, for some reason, it just seems to be a really difficult topic for people to understand fully or even to to even want to talk about sometimes. And yet it is so vital to our faith. And I think because repentance is or at least it should be um, the very thing that produces faith in us, leading us to salvation. And I just remember uh, when I worked at a large church in Atlanta and then helped consult for a mega church here in Denver. And maybe, maybe you can um, experience some of this too, Mallory. I grew, I started growing really concerned over some of the patterns I was witnessing in believers, whether it was after a church service or sometimes even after those baptism ceremonies you have, the big, you know, hundreds of people are getting baptized. People who were on fire for their faith at one period of time were noticeably struggling or no longer practicing their faith. And um, when reaching out to some of these people, 
you know, I discovered that that flame that they had in one season was out and Mm -hmm. they were in a real struggle of faith. And I and myself and other church leaders were trying to wrestle with why. Why is that? What is happening? Is there something we could be doing different? And maybe that's one of you or somebody out there. There's a struggle right now. You have your faith and you're trying to figure it out yourself and you don't know what's happening. And that's something I think we really want to talk about today because we might be able to just help you understand your faith a little better in general after this podcast. And so I don't know, are you, did, have you ever experienced any of that Mallory in the places you've been? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I definitely see it in church and with believers and I am really grateful when I really, really started my walk with the Lord. I started with youth with the mission, um, also known as YWAM. And I was in a six month discipleship training school. So I got so much teaching so quickly Mm -hmm. and which I'm just so grateful for um, that isn't always taught in church. And I got a lot of mentorship. I mean, I was just so grateful for the way that the Lord just set me up. But I encourage all of you out there that this is a huge part of discipleship and mentorship and learning about repentance and, um, yeah, I'm not totally sure exactly where I was going with that, but it just reminded me of that. But well, it sounded it good. Is. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll move on. Well, <laughs> you guys, it's late, and I have to say we have tried to record this podcast so many times. Well, so yeah. I, I think sometimes when there's a really big topic that is so important, there's always a struggle, <laughs> whether you're doing a podcast mm-hmm. or you're preparing for a Bible study or something. So, but the Lord's good, and He'll He knows what He's doing, and. I don't know. You know, I think going back to what we were saying, though, what I've experienced or you, Mallory, when we see these things take place, it makes me think of this parable that Jesus so perfectly describes. Um, and it's the parable of the sower. And it's found in three places in your in the Gospels, uh, Matthew 13, uh, Mark 4 and Luke 8. And it's a parable about being faithful and fruitful for the kingdom. And you may be thinking of this parable and asking yourself, how in the world is this tied into repentance? (laughs) Well, faith and repentance are actually intimately linked together. And if you can understand the importance of faith, you'll recognize that it stems from repentance. And for many of us, I think when we hear that word repentance, we think it's a matter of feelings, of feeling sorry for what we've done. But it's important to understand that repentance is a little different from that. Repentance is not an emotion. Repentance is a decision. And it's a decision that tells us we've wronged God, which leads us to want to change, which leads us to surrender, which leads us to lasting faith. The kind of faith I think that we need today, the kind of faith that comes from seeds that are being planted in good soil, which is what this whole parable of the sower is about. You know, it talks about seeds that are planted in different places. And we'll go into that in just a minute. But what it really produces, and it, it's really important that seeds we are getting from church or wherever are planted in good soil. And let me just explain for just a second that What I have found, and maybe you found too, Mallory, or maybe some of you out there have experienced this, that many times preachers will seek to work people up in an emotional attitude. 
whether they're trying to draw people into the emotion of a sermon or the way they deliver a sermon or the emotion of worship. And those are all such beautiful, wonderful things. And we have to have emotions, right? But they pull them then from there into faith in Christ through emotions and not necessarily explaining the point of it being a decision. And very often what happens, what I've experienced is there's a letdown at some point. I've personally witnessed that. And because when struggles come in or you feel like you're walking this journey of faith alone or you don't have a mentor to help you learn or whatever the situation is, emotions leave. And then a person might feel this letdown by this whole Christianity thing or let down by God. And that's what I was witnessing over and over again in these various environments. The emotions run out and people feel like they're left with nothing. So they go back to the things they were doing. Mm-hmm. Carol, I'm so glad that you said that. And I, what I loved is that you said repentance is a decision. It's not an emotion. And I feel like when you say that, it's just a weight lifted off of mm-hmm. me because I know how easily it can feel to be caught up in emotion. And if my conviction, if my repentance was based on emotion, it would not lead to holiness. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that is a relief. And I think that is true to point that out. And worship is amazing. Preachers are amazing. But when it is to work up that emotion, you know, well, what about the moment that you're there by yourself, have an opportunity in front of you that you're very tempted by to sin or to walk in holiness and there's no music and there's no preacher Mm. and it's just you and Jesus. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? And Mm -hmm. so I love that you pointed that out and makes us feel better that it's not an emotion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and for those of you maybe who don't aren't familiar with the parable of the sower, you know, let me explain what happened there. You know, it talks about seed that was uh, sown by the wayside. And it talks about how birds came and devoured this seed. And what that means, because it also gives an interpretation in your in the Bible on this parable, is that seed are people that hear the word of God. But Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their heart. So sometimes that can be us in church or that can be us at a conference or wherever we're at. That seed can be sown in our heart, but all of a sudden it just, it's almost like as soon as it comes, it goes. The other example the parable gives is seed that's on stony ground that fell on stony ground. It didn't have much earth. So it sprang up quickly because there was no depth, but the sun scorched it and it had no root. And so therefore the seed withered. And they compared that to people who hear the word They receive it with gladness, but there's no root in themselves and they endure only for a time. And then when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, which we've been in for the last few years between COVID and other worldly things going on around us, immediately they stumble. And so we see that. So sometimes, again, you would be at church or in an environment and hear the word and we're so excited. We receive it with gladness, but there's nothing else there. There's nothing to plant in it. It's their shallowness there still. Or the seed that's among thorns. Those thorns grew and choked it. And those seeds yielded no crop. And they compared that to people who hear the word. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of the riches and the desire for other things all around us, they enter in instead and choke the word. And we become unfruitful. 
And boy, aren't we living in the midst of a world filled with distraction right now, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was the seed that's on good ground. And it yields a crop that springs up, increases, and produces. And some is 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. And that is compared to people who hear the word. They accept it, and they bear fruit the same way, 36, 30, 60, or 100-fold. And so that's why I think... You know, we want to caution you in an emotionally charged worship services. Those are so fun and they're so good. And, you know, I I like to leap around sometimes, too. But we must be careful what we do with the seed that is being sown during those times, whether it's from a person delivering a good message or somebody, a worship leader delivering beautiful worship. I think it's so important that we are very um, protective of the seed that comes in. Mm hmm. What do you think, Mary? I love this parable. Yeah, and I think that, I just love that Jesus gave it. I think it is so insightful of how we are to walk. And I love taking Bible verses, and as I'm reading it, making it into a prayer, making it personal, making it a dialogue with Jesus. And this is one that I pray a lot. Anytime I hear something or I feel the Lord speak something to my heart, maybe a conviction. So maybe even before repentance or after, I, I always pray, not always, but very commonly I'll pray, God, would this word that you're speaking to my heart, would it go on good ground? Would mm -hmm. my heart be soft? Would it be pliable? And, you know, it says above all, all else, guard your heart. And so, you know, I pray against, Lord, don't let the thorns, don't let the stony ground come in. Let my heart always be pliable, mm -hmm. um, which I think is just so important. And, you know, I just love that we're talking about this too, because, I struggle with this as well. I mean, we're in the world. We struggle with sin. And there are times where I know something that I'm doing. It's not lined up with God's will, but I don't feel convicted. <laughs> you know, and that's where you're talking about <laughs> yeah. that emotion. And in those moments, no matter what, I just need to choose no matter what my emotions are. And a lot of time it's apathy to sin. I mean, how common is that? Mm -hmm. I just need to stop and get before the Father and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, the amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit, he is our teacher and he's our guide. And God knew that we needed his Holy Spirit to live a life of surrender, a life of holiness, and a life of purity. And we have to come to this understanding that we cannot live a life without sin, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you repent, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that strength and power to walk in a different way. And if you feel apathetic towards sin, ask God to give you that desire to please him. The Holy Spirit is so ready to come into our lives. He's ready to equip us with all that we need to live a holy and pleasing life to him. And so ask him for that. And I want to encourage you right now, too, that if you have a sin struggle in your life, it will not come only it will not come from your own power. It will only come from the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's grace release when we repent. There's a verse in Zechariah 4, 6. It says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That verse, I, uh, it is like my verse of the year. <laughs> I think it, it's just yeah. applicable to everything, mm -hmm. just leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say too, um, there was a time that God was really just asking me to go this extra step in my faith and um, make this commitment. And at first it felt like a, a big ask. And I was like, Lord, it feels like a lot. And, 
And then I just kept praying, God, give me this desire to please you. Give me this desire to walk in this way. And I'm telling you what, one day this desire hit me so hard that I've always walked in that way that the Lord has asked Mm -hmm. me. That's just too long of a story to get into right now. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying is like, we can ask the Lord to help us be obedient. Um, He's just so powerful and so kind. Yeah. So that is the power of the Holy Spirit. No, that's great. And, you know, I'm so glad you shared that, too, because I think, you know, when we're talking about taking the word in and really letting it change us, you know, not letting it just be stolen away to where it really does fall on good soil to really change us. Because, you know, uh, and we can only change through the power of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, when we really think about that, you know, salvation's just the beginning. Then we're on this journey because a Christian's journey truly is a pilgrimage. And so we want to change. We don't want to live the same way. And the word and the power of the Holy Spirit helps us to change. But there's a word for that. And it's called repentance. And I think in sharing all this, we want to help all of you understand what does the Bible even mean by the word repentance? Because I think a lot of people think it's all about feeling sorry. It's all about feeling bad. And Mm-hmm. Yes, we're sorrowful for maybe um, living a way that was dishonoring God, but it's much more than that. You know, there's there's two main languages in your Bible. There's Greek in the New Testament and there's Hebrew in the Old. And each of those languages has a very specific word for repent. But only if we put those two languages together, do we really get the full meaning of repentance. And so in the Greek, repent is always translated as to change your mind, change the way you think. So first of all, repentance is all about changing your mind about the way you've been living. If you've been living to please yourself, to do your own thing, you change your mind to decide that from now on, I'm going to do only the things that please Jesus. That's why it's a decision, not an emotion. Because it's a change of your will. You can repent without any obvious emotion, but you cannot repent without a change of your will. That's why we talked about those seeds that get planted. When you hear the word of God, the word cuts like a sword. And the word is able with the power of the Holy Spirit to change you, to convict you like Mallory was saying. Mm -hmm. And that's what repentance is. It's a decision to want to change. And so the first meaning is to change your mind. But in the Hebrew... It literally means turn around. You've been facing one way, the wrong way, with your back to God. And now you turn 180 degrees with your face towards God and say, God, here I am. So you make a decision. You hear the word, whether it's through worship, whether it's through your preacher, your teacher, a conference, Bible study, whatever. And you make this decision to want to change. But now you have to act on it. You have to physically turn and go the other way. And so you put the two together and you have a complete picture of repentance. And it's actually quite beautiful, which is why I think sometimes Mallory and I struggle on why it's so hard to teach this in our congregations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because our faith component comes after repentance. That's why the pattern in the whole message of the Bible is always repent and believe. 
repent and believe. Even in the prophets, when God would want them to repent for what they've done and come back to him. But repentance was always key. He wanted them to make a decision to truly follow him and to actually make the action to do it. And so, you know, for some of you out there who are set, who think you're struggling in your faith today, the truth is you might not be struggling for faith, but you may have never met the condition of repentance. And what I mean by that is you want Jesus to live inside of you. You want salvation to be free from the bondage of sin. We all want that. We want eternal life. The thought of all of that is so exciting. And that's what drives us emotionally, right? But the question is, did we change our mind about certain lifestyles or sin patterns that are contrary to the will of God and his word? So if we're struggling in faith, it always comes back to repentance. Did we not only change our mind, but have we turned from those sin patterns? Have we really made a decision to want to follow God's word, to want to change? Because at least 50% of the problems that Christians struggle with today personally are due to one fact. They have never truly repented. And um, Mallory and I were in this inner healing and deliverance ministry together for a bit. And we see this, we saw this pattern over and over and over again during ministry times. A lot of people were never taught how to repent or there's so much shame tied to repent that they just never wanted to go there. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to say, it's, it's not about your, your, your journey, your pilgrimage is not about if I do this, what will God do for me when you repent? That's not the way you should think. When you repent, you start to think, if I do this, will it glorify God? And so repentance is foundational. And if you don't have that foundation stone in place, you're more than likely building on sand. Mm -hmm. Wow, Carol, I loved what you said. I just want to repeat it again, that at least 50% of the problems that Christians struggle with are due to the fact that they never truly repented. I just wanted to say that again, um, because that just so stood out to me. And what a sweet, simple fix is to come to the feet of (laughs) Jesus and repent and I liked what you said too, you know, like when we, when we change our mindset with repentance, it is what I'm doing. Is it glorifying God? Mm. And maybe just to give some examples for some people out there to make it real life is, you know, if I just examples, you know, think if I talk like this, will it glorify Jesus? If I live with my significant other before we we're married, will it glorify Jesus? Mm. If I gossip, will it glorify God? If I watch that show or if I listen to that music, will it glorify him? I even like to think, too, if Jesus was sitting next to me on my couch as I'm watching that show, would he be pleased Mm -hmm. or would he be sad that I'm watching that? Um, There's a verse that says, set no wicked thing before your eyes. Mm -hmm. And I just thought of that. So that's a little... Added. No, that's right. good. And I think everything, <laughs> no, that's good. Really? <laughs> um, you know, I think too, I was just, li- just listening to you and, um, everything you listed, it shows almost like, um, split personalities, right? In a way, mm-hmm. because we behave one way, but we're supposed to walk another and we kind of know we're supposed to walk the other way. And the Bible actually has a word for that. It's called being double minded. 
And some people may say fence sitters or whatever, but at the end of the day, you're wavering between two decisions. Do I follow the Lord or do I continue doing what I'm doing? And the Bible says it's double-minded and that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Friends, you cannot, we cannot love Jesus on Sunday and then hate our boss on Monday, right? We, you can't be a Christian at your Bible study and then go party it up like a wild person on the weekend mm-hmm. and or dress in very seductive ways. You know, I'm talking to mm-hmm. my sisters in Christ out there. It tempts men. I mean, just senses of modesty and things like that. And it just doesn't work. And if you're struggling in your faith from this standpoint where you are living two very different ways, you're double minded. Have you truly surrendered fully to the lordship of christ you know we all know him as our savior but don't forget he must become your lord and if you have not repented and changed your mind on things and turned away from those things if you're if you are living a very sexually promiscuous lifestyle Mm -hmm. things like that i don't i'm not trying to judge anybody but This is a serious, serious issue within the body of Christ is this lack of turning from these lifestyles in these ways that we have lived. And believe me, friends, my first few years of my faith journey, I had a real hard time wanting to change. And so Mm -hmm. I was a double minded person. And thankfully, God always put strong people in my life to speak bold truth to me, even if it was hard. And that conviction eventually the Holy Spirit, like you were mentioning earlier, Mallory, just got a hold of me and wrestled me to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision, truly. And I chose to turn the other way. And so I just want to remind you guys, a double-minded Christian, it is not a fa- solid foundation. It is just like that the parable of the sower, where all of those seeds, they're going to be falling on unstable and unhealthy places that are going to steal the word from you. And I also get really concerned in that, like the parable, where the cares of this world will still have their claws in you. So good. So, so good. (laughs) I loved all that. You were quiet there for a minute. I'm like, did she go somewhere? (laughs) No, I was just listening. I'm sitting here nodding my head. You can't see me, but I'm like, amen. So good. And I mean, it's called freedom in Christ for a reason. And I, I love that picture of sitting on the fence because no one likes to be indecisive about something. And I know that when I'm not walking in the way of the Lord, there is anxiety. There is not peace. But when you come, it's called freedom in Christ, freedom from sin. Because you feel free, you feel light, there's peace, there's blessing when you come into alignment with the Lord. And it comes as quickly as you repent. So it really is just such a gift. And, you know, Lordship, it comes through surrender, which you were talking about, Carol, too. And, And so I just encourage you to get before the Lord every morning and ask him, Lord, where am I not surrendered to Mm -hmm. you? I don't want to sit on the fence. Maybe you do ask the Lord to convict your heart. And so you don't want to sit on the fence and, (laughs) you know, pray the prayer of David in Psalm 139, search me, God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Make this a daily practice. And he's so good that if you pray this, he will show you. And so just to encourage you in that too. You know, Mallory, I love how you always bring it back to 
to a practical application. I love like, it. I'm just do this. Girl. I know. I know. I love that. You know, um, if I can share one more parable very briefly, mm-hmm. I think I believe this is a good parable that shows a picture of true repentance in action. And this is in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I know we've all heard this parable probably a thousand different ways, but let me just share something here that we've pulled out of it that we think is really going to bless you. You know, keep in mind, if we can just recap, this was about the second son of a wealthy family, and he decided to get all of his inheritance from his father right now. And then he went off to a distant land and he lived it up. And he did all sorts of sinful things. And then when he'd spent his whole inheritance, a famine came. And the only job he could get was feeding pigs. And remember, he was a Jewish man. So for him to feed pigs was just about as low as he could go. So here he is in rags, feeding the pigs, hungry, wishing he could fill his stomach, even with the husks that the pigs were eating. And then this is what happens. In verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself, well, that's the point you have to come to. You have to come to yourself. I had to come to myself. That moment of truth when you have to see yourself as you really are and you have to see yourself as God sees you. Because when this second son, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Do you see the two elements there? Number one, he made a decision, and number two, he turned to go to his father. It's a beautiful picture of repentance. That's what it looks like. Making a decision and carrying your decision out. Choose today whom you will serve. He was going back to the father whom he offended, just as we go back to the father whom who, he went back to the father who he offended, just like we go back to our father whom we offended, to the God who loves us. And saying, I made a mess of my life. I can't run my own life. I need you. Will you take me back? And so this this son in this parable, he planned to say to the father, make me as one of your hired servants. But when he started out, his father was watching for him. I mean, this is so beautiful. That's how God is. When we make that decision and we begin to turn, he's watching for us and waiting for us. And the father saw him a long way off and ran to meet him. That's how God is. That's how he meets us. And then he kissed him and he never let him say those last words about being a servant. He just said, bring out the best robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. And they killed the fatted calf. That's the result of true repentance. So it's worth repenting to be welcomed like that by God. That's the picture we're going for. Think about it my friends, for a moment for yourself. He came to himself. He said he made a mess of his life. He wasted everything. But then he made that decision, turned around and went back. And I just love that whole parable in relation to this. And I just want to encourage someone out there. You know, there is 
so when we were in ministry for inner healing and deliverance, so many people in the body of Christ are carrying so many hidden sins, things that you have never shared with another soul, things that are tearing you up inside, things that have maybe brought you so much shame, things that you just think, oh my goodness, if somebody found that out about me, what would they think? Friend, I just want to tell you out there, I know Mallory is in agreement with me on this. You can take the biggest of whatever it is, the most hidden sin, get before the Lord in private and just confess it to him. Make it come out of your mouth, even if it's in a whisper. Sometimes I believe, because I've done this too, and when we speak it out when no one's around, um, especially in private, uh, or you can do it with somebody, it doesn't really matter. But when you speak it out, even in a whisper, you're getting it out of you. And then it's like almost like it's before you and you can see the filth of it and what it's been doing to your body, what it's been doing mm -hmm. to your mind, what it's been doing to your soul all these years that you've held on to it. But then in an instant, the blood of mercy, the blood of Jesus Christ washes it out of the way and it's gone forever, forever and ever. And that's the beauty of repentance. Just make the decision, make the decision to just confess it, make the, de the, the, the decision that you don't want to hold on to that anymore and you want to release it. You may not be practicing whatever that thing was anymore, but release it at least and get it out of you and just let his blood of mercy and the washing of the water of his word cleanse you from all of that filth that has been entangling you for all these years. I know we're speaking to somebody out there, but I just yeah. want to encourage you in that. And um, and if I can just say one more thing, Mallory, because I know I just rambled yeah, for a long time. No, that I'm so was sorry. so good. I'm so sorry. But I think mm -hmm. I must mention two words that oftentimes people confuse with repentance. And those two words are regret and remorse. And friends, I just want to share with you that feelings of regret, these two words are very different than repentance. Because feelings of regret are about what you have done to yourself, decisions you've made. And feelings of remorse are about maybe what you have done to someone else. And Judas experienced this in Matthew 27 when he betrayed Jesus. Remember that? And he saw that Jesus was condemned and he was remorseful. In fact, he was so remorseful, he returned the 30 pieces of silver he got. In fact, he threw them down and then he departed and hung himself. And so Judas had remorse, but he never changed. And that's the difference. We can have regret. We can have remorse, but never change. Repentance is a decision decide today my friends that you will repent because i think the most significant moment in anyone's life is the moment when god begins to deal with you about repentance and when he does don't put it off the most critical moment in a human life is the moment when god says repent i'm willing to forgive you i'm willing to take you back i love you i want you i just had to say that Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you did. That was so beautiful. And I think that that is going to speak some to someone out there listening, just to go in your closet and close the door and just have that moment. And I think it's worth to say too, that, you know, if you find yourself repenting a bit more than you did before <laughs> hearing this podcast, it's actually a good thing. Be encouraged. And, you know, God will show you your heart. He's so good to sanctify us. He is Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. 
And we have to remember too that Paul in his writing, the closer he came to know God, the further he came in his faith walk, the more aware he was of his sin. Mm. And because of that, he became so much more aware and just in awe of God's grace and his love for him because of it. And I keep saying this, but, you know, just keep your heart fleshly and sensitive to God. And, um, and, you know, we live in a world too, where your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour And there are times that we will take that bait, so to speak. We'll fall into his trap. We'll say that word of slander we shouldn't have said. We'll drink Mm -hmm. that extra glass of wine that we should not have drank. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you stay in that sin, if you stay in that temptation, the enemy will keep you there. He will lie to you. He will shame you. And he'll torture you. Sorry. But God's grace will pull us out. And that grace that he offers us is repentance. And so it is a gift. It's so beautiful. And it's such a gift to us. And I mean, even thinking about the Old Testament, Carol, you probably know this better, but they had to wait a whole year to repent of their sins. Is that right? It was once a year. Yeah, that's for the national repentance. Yeah, the high priest would go in once a year um, for their national repentance. They they did other things with sacrifices for sin, but their national repentance was once a year on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, I had to have my fact checker. <laughs> like, I can't say a, a fact unless I know that you're there. But now we can just say to the Lord right in any single moment yeah. he's there because now we are the temple and he dwells within us. Amen. And so how wonderful, what a gift that is. That is so that's such a great reminder, Mallory. Thank you for sharing that. And I loved how you even said, you know, the closer that Paul got to God. And isn't that so true? The closer when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And the closer we get to him, the more of his holiness we sense and feel. And then, you know, it just shows us just how his majesty and i think that's when you start like when you say paul recognized his sin more and more because the closer he drew to the lord you just realize this is a holy god that i'm standing before mm-hmm. and that's why he says be holy for i am holy so i just love that whole picture yeah. you gave you know mm-hmm. um we just thank you all so much for tuning in tuning into this podcast and we just want to encourage you maybe when this co- podcast is over or maybe some other time in your day or tonight or in the morning or whenever, whenever you're alone, try to take a few minutes and ask yourself, have I ever truly really repented? Maybe reflect on your lifestyle right now. Maybe some things that you never put away from your old self when you became a born again believer and, and really ask yourself, did I, have I ever truly repented? Did I, have I ever made that decision to want to turn from my old ways? Or are you being double-minded? That's a really good question we all need to ask ourselves every day. And just maybe that's why Paul always says, examine yourself to see if you're of the faith. Mm -hmm. So we just hope this blessed you. And if you have any questions or comments or any suggestions on other topics you'd like to hear about, please drop us a line at preparetheway at jcmcolorado.com. Or you can check us out at jeremiahscall.org. But we...